Well, uh, good morning again. Uh, it is good to be with you this morning. It's good to have some familiar faces. Uh, Liz, good to see you guys. You did come oh, in. Wonderful having you guys back uh, to the worship with you. And uh, our college students, thank you for uh, sharing your Sunday with us. Appreciate that very much. So, good morning. Uh, God's grace and peace be with you uh, from God our Father, from our Savior Jesus Christ. From the spirit of the risen Christ who lives inside of us and is active walking around here this morning uh, in our hearts. And we're so thankful for that, for the for Christ's spirit. So the word is, do not let your hearts be troubled. Uh, believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, can anyone tell me what the title of my message is today? Uh, we, we went up to Cat Pavilion and I got there and we were driving my van. And I said, after we came back, so it was already in the afternoon, I said, do you guys take out the title for this message? He said, we did, be, before we even left, we were saying, I wonder where he's going with that. But what was the title? Don't, yeah, don't get into trouble. Now, <clears throat> it, is, uh, it is important to remember that these words were spoken by Jesus uh, on the night before his arrest. So we're almost like we went to Easter, we're almost backtracking and hitting back uh, this uh, time frame about Jesus before he's being arrested. And when I read this text, it uh, reminds me not of Jesus' arrest, but of my grandmother Gladys's words. Now, Grandma Gladys, she was a petite woman, uh, farmer's wife, uh, but hard as nails. I mean, this was not some million mouse lady. Uh, she would... Uh, feed us breakfast, and then she'd take us back and she'd shoo us outside. And she would say this as we, the door to the street door would slam behind us. Uh, you kids, don't get into trouble now. Okay, that was, anybody else have a parent, grandparent that used to say that when you go up? You didn't play in the house, by the way. There was no, no cell phones, no, nothing like that. There's nothing in the house that you wanted to be in the house for. So you'd, uh, you'd shoot outside. You kids, don't get into trouble now. She was pretty amazing. She was not scolding us for something we had done. She was smart enough to be giving us a warning in the preemptive statement of what we might get into. So that's kind of where she was coming from. So she was ahead of us, already letting us know that we're supposed to be paying attention so that we don't get in trouble. Now, even before we'd done anything wrong, she was anticipating what she would suspect was certainly going to happen. I can only imagine that Grandma, uh, on uh, those days when we would come in uh, and be with her at the farm, she would be checking her bandage, uh, how many band-aids she has, along with Mercuricone, because Mercuricone was good for anything. Any whatever, well, you know, because it's stunned. I think she liked to watch this, you know, if you get the Mercuricone on that. <laughs> Don't let your hearts be troubled. You know, it's nice to take that preemptive step but I find that telling someone not to get troubled or worried really has not had the effect that you want it to have. Because as soon as you say, like, don't get in trouble or don't be troubled, what, what do you think? You're troubled by that. What's out there? What, what should we be afraid of, Grandma? More importantly, when Jesus says it, we're kind of worried. What's going on? Now, disciples, like most of us, get confused when... On the one hand, we, uh, we see and hear about everything that Jesus is doing. That's the good side of that. And on the other hand, however, fail to, uh, to see Jesus who claims the power that 
and which they assumed was his, by his identity, by the things that he was doing. So there's confusion about this, uh, this Jesus and what's going on. And their hearts are troubled. Because their world is a terrible world. Their world is a harsh world. To identify that we believe uh, this power uh, coming from Jesus belongs to Almighty God and somehow to not claim that and <coughs> try and use it in ways that they thought it should be used left their hearts a little bit confused. So the disciples are wondering, and yes, the trouble, do we believe in this Jesus? Do we trust in him? We, <coughs> we certainly have been following him, and in his name, we also have been doing mighty uh, deeds of healing and mighty deeds uh, to the people. The confusion is that Jesus says he comes from God and that he and the Father are one. Um, <coughs> the troubled spirits within our hearts is that they have only <coughs> known God as a vengeful God, a God who shows favoritism, a God whose spiritual leaders at least have uh, oppressed the people and made uh, fear uh, his kingdom moniker. So they're confused by that and their hearts are troubled by that. What, 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 what are we supposed to believe here? What's going on? The wall here does not let the heart that is troubled find its rest. And that's a problem for us. Again, the title of my sermon is Don't Get Into Trouble. Maybe this also is a preemptive thought as well. We also have been fed on images of who God is. Our world is filled with ideas of how God works. We hear the ideologies on our TV screens, our cell phones, our PCs, and our computers every day. The title of Christian has been used to justify all sorts of ideas and all sorts of causes. Some so far and distant from the stories we read in our Bibles that we scarcely can believe they can be somehow modeled after the Jesus that we know and hear in the scriptures. <coughs> um, <laughs> we were up at Camp Nun again, and Brad said yesterday, my allergies were just kicking in. Mine came in this morning. I think the disciples are right there at this crossroads. The line between the God of their traditions and the, the God who they meet in Christ, a God of new life, of good news. And they don't know what to do with that. And yes, their hearts are troubled. <coughs> and yes, walls of fear and confusion are seemingly impossible for them to overcome. And Jesus sees it in them. That's the good thing about this text. He sees it in their hearts and is trying to bring some calm and hope into that wall of mistrust. And that's my point this morning. When we are troubled in, <coughs> in mind and spirit, we don't actually uh, somehow uh, set it aside. It's there, and we're confused by it. It's easy to say, don't get into trouble, or don't let your heart be troubled, but trouble and doubt somehow find their way into our hearts, and we are filled with doubt. We are filled with fear. Jesus again sees it in us, begins to unpack and break down those walls 
It's this very intimate and personal unpacking. Listen, Jesus says, you know me. You see, Philip, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And you know that. You've seen what that message has done for the world. You see what's happening in the world as we come through and bring our message of hope to the people. I am the one who is showering the glory of God, showing the glory of God in deeds of mercy and healing with words of hope. My actions are those that were given to all, not just to a few, no matter who they were. And that power was God's power, the Father's power at work in us, in me and in you. My works are His works. So I, as you have believed in me, trusted in me, so also you can trust and believe in the Father. For I and the Father, we are one. God's action in Jesus reveals and bears witness to the God who can take our troubled hearts and give those troubled hearts new life and a living spirit. Don't get into trouble. It's true, right? The troubled spirit and troubled heart are like a fortress that keeps uh, a spirit of hope from seeing God's grace. It pushes back. It's something I know, and I know it's something you know when your hearts are troubled and when fear begins to permeate your very spirit. The grace of God can overcome a troubled heart. I see it all the time. Listen to what I've seen just recently. A family loses a child. And they show compassion. And they show love. The anguish of their loss is softened by the love you can treat by friends. Children sidelined by age are given a time to be in the presence of their families, invited to the same table, and receive the same love of God in bread and wine. And they taste that love, the forgiveness given to them, not because they are young, not because they are not old enough, but just because they are. Because they are. I have seen people get together around the Bible study, not knowing exactly where their pastor is going to lead them, but willing to take that plunge because they believe that God's word is the guide to what we're doing. And they trust the word, even when they're not so sure about the pastor, <laughs> which is okay. The word will lead. The word will guide. A cup of blessing comes, and people's lives are changed from fortresses of fear, from fortresses of troubled hearts, to trust, knowing that God will be with them. Walls come down. And when we live what we hear and see in Jesus, God is no longer a distant wall of separation, but a lifeboat, a life preserver, a life giver, who comes to claim us, to save us from the troubled waters that we all see in. This is our message, and I see God in it. I see you 
hope and faith and love to me. Mostly it gives love. For love is the greatest. It is the embodiment of God. And it reflects the God that we know and see and trust. The God who is the end.